Hi, this is Patty Lapone. This is Allison Janney. This is Matt Balmer. This is Donna Murphy. This is Nia Vardalis. This is Jesse Tyler Ferguson. This is Beanie Feldstein. I'm Octavia Spencer. This is Ben Platt, and you're listening to Little Known Facts with my favorite person on the planet, Alana Levine. A-OK. Welcome to Little Known Facts, a podcast where you will hear unfiltered, raw, honest, and uniquely funny interviews with artists you love as they talk about the art they love to make. I'm your host, Ilana Levine. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Little known fact about my guests today, in the summer of 2023, I had the honor of hosting a live event in Bryan Park in New York City with these two glorious authors. One writes fiction, one writes nonfiction, but it's really incredible how their books are such incredible companion pieces, not just for today's talk, but in general, their brains seem to be quite in sync. Anyway, it is such an honor to have these two award-winning authors to share with you on the podcast. Welcome, Danielle Trasani and AJ Jacobs. Enjoy. Okay. Thank you, everyone who came out to Bryan Park today. I've said it before. I'll say it again. It is an extraordinary thing to have this cultural mecca in the middle of New York City. So thank you all for being here today. What an honor. I am so thrilled to welcome Danielle and AJ. I'm going to have like the most truncated version of your bios right now that I'm going to read because I want to just get into talking to your brilliant brains that I have in front of me. So for those of you here today, let me introduce my guest. Danielle Trisani is a New York Times, USA Today, and Sunday Times top 10 best-selling novelist. She has been a Pulitzer Prize in fiction jurist and writes the Dark Matters column for the New York Times Book Review. She created the Writerly Podcast, a weekly podcast about the art and business of writing, and her novels have been translated into 33 languages. Her most recent book, which came out yesterday for us all to consume, is called The Puzzle Master. Welcome, welcome to the podcast, Danielle. Thank you, Alana. A.J. Jacobs is an author, journalist, lecturer. He has written four New York Times bestsellers that combine memoir and science and humor and a dash of self-help. He is also editor-at-large at Esquire magazine, a commentator on NPR, and a columnist for Mental Floss magazine. He is currently helping to build a family tree of the entire world. And, or maybe you've already done that. Have you built the family yes. tree of the entire world? Okay, we'll we talk about that. We didn't quite get to, set to 8 billion, but okay. we're working on it. Okay, insane. That's, that, when I say <laughs> I get to talk to these brains today, that's what I mean. 
And he wrote a book called The Puzzler. And once again, the brilliant Susie Siegel here at Bryant Park figured out how to curate an event where two themes are, are deeply explored in two very different kinds of books. But it is my honor to have you both here today. And I just guess I want to start, you know, I know in your Welcome to Bryant Park reading room email, it talked about reading a bit of your book. Um, Today is really going to be about process. Everybody here and everyone listening is interested in writing wherever they are in the process. Your tips and sort of habits that have been useful for you will be unbelievably useful for them. So we're going to get into a lot of creative process conversation. But maybe just so friends here today and listeners around the globe can hear just for tone and style of your writing a small portion, if you're up for it, of your book, and then we'll get into it. But that way they'll just have a sense of the world of the puzzle master and the world of the puzzlers. Well, I'm thrilled to have Danielle Trisani reading from The Puzzle Master. Thank you. And so um, the puzzle master of the tight, the eponymous puzzle master is named Mike Brink. And I'm going to read just a paragraph about his credentials. Aside from photos, a Mike Brink Google search would have brought up a video clip of his remote zoom-in appearance on the late, the late Show with Stephen Colbert, recorded during the 2020 pandemic lockdown. He'd taken Colbert on a tour of his puzzle library and opened one of his Japanese puzzle boxes, which inspired a joke about sushi. There would be a Wikipedia page that linked to the New York Times Games page, where he was a regular constructor a list of the puzzle competitions he'd won, and a link to a Vanity Fair profile that gave his entire life story, the normal Midwestern childhood, the tragic accident that had altered his brain, and the miraculous gift that had appeared in its wake. All right, and we're going to get into Mike Brink. What I love about her protagonist, and we'll talk about the heroes and villains of your book, is that generally when we think of people who are obsessed with puzzles, we, the word nerd might come to mind, and we'll talk today about what is a nerd. But her, her hero, Mike Brink, is like a hot ex-football player jock. Like, so the package, like you could totally cast like super hot movie star in this nerd role, and I love that you're re, readdressing how we think about a puzzle master. Well done. Thank you. All right. You ready? I am. Okay. First of all, thank you all for coming and thank you for having me. And congratulations to Danielle, whose book was published yesterday. And, thank you. Uh, so mine is old hat. It's been out a few months. So if you're going to buy <laughs> one, if you're going to buy two, please buy mine as well. But if you're going to buy one, this first week matters. So oh. buy Danielle's. It's awesome. I loved it. Uh, I'll read a quick paragraph from my book, which is nonfiction. And this paragraph is about uh, when my wife and two of our sons went to Spain to compete in the World Jigsaw Puzzle Championship. And we came in second oh to last. <laughs> <laughs> That's my wife Julie's joke, so thank you. The pause, the pause is Julie's. But yes, we did not. We had no business being there. No one else from the United States signed up, but there were 40 other countries. So we just showed up and did our best. And it was eight hours 
eight hours in a, in a stadium and you had to finish four big jigsaw puzzles, like 2,000 pieces each. And we finished one and a half. And the, uh, the Russian team, who might have been doping, uh, <laughs> <laughs> thank you, uh, they finished all four in three and a half hours. So, so this is just the start of when they said, dos, tres, uno, puzzle. Julie, my wife, grabs one of the boxes. It's an African safari scene. I look around at the other tables, and I am immediately stressed out. The other teams are prepared. They have equipment. They've got letter openers and razors to rip off the plastic wrapping on the boxes. Team USA is reduced to using our fingernails to rip off the plastic, like losers. So that's how it starts, <laughs> and then uh, you heard a little spoiler of how it's going to end, but it was quite an adventure. Let's do a, a sort of reverse um, where maybe we should have started, which is an elevator pitch of your, of your books. So The Puzzle Master is about... Um, uh, and so the Puzzle Master is about an ingenious puzzle constructor, Mike Brink, who you heard a little bit about before, who's called to a women's prison upstate New York to solve a mysterious puzzle that was drawn by an inmate. And this inmate hasn't spoken to anyone about the crime for five years since she's been imprisoned. And as he sort of starts to unlock this puzzle, he's drawn into a mystery. Uh, and I... Let me just say quickly, I love that I'm paired with Danielle because I feel we are book twins, not just on the puzzle, but we have this weird synchronicity, you in novels and me in nonfiction, because you wrote a book about the what if the Bible, parts of the Bible came true, called Angelology, huge hit. And I wrote a book called The Year of Living Biblically. How oh, did that come out at the same time? Mine, I don't know. I can't remember. Mine was when, when, like 2007? And mine was 2006. There you go. No, 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 I no, 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 no. Mine was after. Sorry. No, mine well, was anyway, after. We, are, we have, and then we both had one about ancestors and DNA. Totally. And so there you go. There is a wavelength thing going on here. Uh, there are no coincidences. No coincidences. <laughs> uh, I, my elevator pitch is just, I, I love puzzles. I've always loved puzzles. So this is a, a deep dive. It was during the pandemic, so what other, uh, what else could I do? And I did a deep dive into every kind of puzzle, so jigsaw puzzles. Um, I went to Japan to visit where they make Japanese puzzle boxes, these crazy wooden boxes that cost thousands of dollars. I went to the CIA headquarters to see one of the great unsolved puzzles in the world called Cryptos. So, it was, and I met, uh, I did chess puzzles with Gary Kasparov. So it's sort of adventures around the world with the hardest, most challenging puzzles and what we can learn from them to have a better life. I feel like, in a way, you could have just hired AJ to be your researcher. Um, completely. <laughs> completely. Totally. Because, well, I wish I had a direct line to AJ <laughs> while I was writing this book. I did read his book while I was writing this book, however. So there and you Danielle go. And Danielle is writing a, uh, a sequel. And... Uh, and that one I've already helped with the research exactly. by connecting you to a, one of these guys who makes these crazy Japanese puzzle boxes that, that cost thousands of dollars. So I would, I would call the Puzzle Master a thriller. Um, there's, there's, I'd also call it 
a summer read. I mean, I couldn't put it down. Like, it's one of those books that you just want to read in one sitting because every chapter ends with this kind of cliffhanger moment. And I love the elegance with which you would begin the next chapter referencing where you left us off. If you do have to put the book down to go to sleep, it's a nice reintroduction to the topic when you start the next chapter. Uh, let's talk process for a minute. Do you, um, for this particular book, where were you when the idea struck? I understand now there's a sequel or maybe a whole um, series of books about, is, is Mike Brink the hero in the, the next book you're writing as well? So, yes, he is. Okay. So Mike Brink is sort of going to be the hero of multiple books. Okay, okay. Um, so if you're in the middle of reading it, you know, I guess we now know Mike survives. <laughs> Yeah, he's a lot. Sorry, spoiler. <laughs> but that's good because we love him. We want him to survive. So, A, which came first, the chicken or the egg? The hero or the villain? And where did inspiration strike for this particular hero and villain? So, the hero came before the villain. Um, and, you know, just to address something that you said about it feeling like a traditional book, but also feeling not like a traditional book at the same time. I think that that's why it was important for me to really put this in a genre and call it a thriller, um, because it does get a little bit wild when you get in, into it. And um, it you know, moves around between places in time and um, kind of genre conventions. So um, I did know that I wanted to write a thriller from the very beginning. Um, the process of writing this book, though, was a little bit like excavating a big archaeological site. <laughs> um, I, I, start, I did not start with Mike Brink, and I did not start with the hero. I started with the puzzle. Um, I wanted to incorporate the themes and the historical information that I do about um, this particular puzzle that Mike Brink solves in the book. And so I started there, and I started with the woman, the prisoner, who draws this puzzle, and then I started with the story of how that happened. And then I went back in time to the 19th century in Prague and, and wrote about where that puzzle came from. So that was the beginning point for me, and then when I finished that section, I'm like, wait, who's gonna solve this? Um, and from that came Mike Brink. I mean, that's the short version. Of course, there's lots of pulling out my hair and like biting my fingernails and like, is this going to work? Um, but that's the short version. And so is Mike Brink based on, was there in fact, did you read somewhere about a football player who had a head, inj a head injury and something strange happened after that? So um, what Alana is talking about is Mike Brink um, was just a normal kid um, at, when he was 17. He was a football player in the Midwest and he was hit very hard and had a traumatic brain injury that caused something called savant syndrome. It's a real thing, it's a medical condition, it's very rare. And what this does to the brain is that it alters it in a way that the person who suffers from this develops a strange skill. And in Mike Brink's um, instance, it's mathematics, puzzles, patterns, being able to solve things, having uh, a photographic memory where he'll see, he will see things that he doesn't, doesn't even know he's seen and it will just stay there and come back. Um, so I knew about the condition. I didn't actually read about someone who was a football player or, you know, and became a savant and a puzzle master, no. Um, but I did read a lot of memoirs by people who had a traumatic brain injury and developed this condition because it's quite miraculous, uh, this condition. The idea that if we change the chemistry of our brain or if it's damaged, suddenly we can learn how to speak a foreign language very quickly or solve puzzles instantly. And I, it, 
drew me in in such a way that I wanted to explore it. And so the idea that unlocked in our brain are all these other things, like you could be a number, you know, you could be writing for Taylor Swift tomorrow if you want. <laughs> like, it's the brain, I mean, I assume, Fingers AJ, crossed, I have yeah, a traumatic yes, brain yes. incident <laughs> I in do feel future. like someone please hit me on the head <laughs> really <laughs> hard. <laughs> yes. That'll because be awesome. to that point, AJ has written a book where every chapter focuses on a different kind of puzzle. And there are people in this world who not only are um, enjoy doing puzzles, they're great at them. You are one of those people. And there are people like me, and maybe I attribute it to, I always say like, I'm not good at math, I'm so lucky I'm an actress because I don't need any of that. But do you think that you can get great at puzzles if you are not get hit on the head with and get a brain injury that makes you really good at puzzles? Like, is it like some people can do it and some people just can't? Well, I, well first of all, thank you. Is this on? First of all, thank you for Chip, saying... Chip, oh. is this on? Is Hello? This Hello? On? Oh, there it is. There thank you. Uh, thank you for saying I'm great at puzzles, which you are is great not at true. Not true. <laughs> I'm right. a great admirer of puzzles. I love puzzles. Uh, and uh, but, but I'm like, you know, there are like... NBA level puzzle solvers, and I'm sort of an intramural basketball player out there. Cause Are you being modest, or is no, that true? No, I'm not. These you people deeply research this topic. Right. No, they're, these people are just, and not all of them have had brain injuries, <laughs> but they are, they will see puzzles that you don't even understand what the puzzle is, and two minutes later they've solved it. So I love that. I mean, I've always been a, a passion, a passionate fan of puzzles. And that's sort of how the book starts, is I, I love puzzles from a, as I was a kid. Uh, and, and I kind of put them away for a bit. But the, uh, the instigating event that I talk about in the book is that a few years ago, I was the answer to a clue in the New York Times crossword puzzle. What was, was the clue? Well, it was just uh, author of the know-it-all, one of my books, A.J. Blank. And the answer was Jacobs. Awesome. And I thought, this is the greatest moment of my life. Like, this is, <laughs> my wedding was pretty good, but this is. Maybe the birth of your this, children were They were cool. okay. okay. They were yeah. okay. Yeah. But then, so I'm riding high, and then my brother-in-law did a very brother-in-law thing. He did congratulate me, I will say, but he also sent me an email pointing out that it was the Saturday New York Times crossword puzzle. And if you know... Saturday is the, it gets harder and harder during the week. And Saturday is the hardest, harder than Sunday. And all of the answers are totally obscure. Like no one knows what they are. So his point was, this is not a compliment. Like this is proof that no one knows who the hell you are. So that was kind of depressing. And then just to close out the story, I told that tale of my emotional roller coaster on a podcast, much like this one. And it happened that one of the New York Times crossword makers was listening, and he decided to save me and put me in a Tuesday puzzle where I don't belong. That's where, like, truly famous people belong, like, you know, Lady Gaga. So I uh, ended up meeting him, and I became uh, friends with him, and I sort of got back into this puzzle community, and I fell in love with it, and I was like, I have to do a book about this. That's incredible. You know, a lot of people who come on my show are, are generally speaking, actors, and they can kind of point to 
their lucky break. I mean, they might have done a million things that they loved and were so proud of, but no one saw them, right? So it takes a tremendous amount of talent, and then something really lucky has to happen, right? Like, and then Spielberg was in the audience of this off, off, off Broadway play because his daughter, like, who knows? And that's how the next step happened. When you guys look back, I mean, I have two New York Times best-selling authors on this panel right now, which is like in terms, it's like a one percenter sort of thing, right? In terms of people who want to write, ending up on that list. Now, I guess if you're on Vanderpump Rules, you can shoot to the top of that list pretty quickly. <laughs> but let's say you're not on a reality show and you live a more traditional life. I want to ask you, if you look back, I mean, you both have written many, many books and have received so many accolades, awards, prizes. Is there a moment when you look back and go, you know what, if this hadn't happened, I wouldn't have broken through? There are so many moments like that, I think, in, the, in one's career. And, you know, one lucky break um, maybe pushes you over the top for one book, but you're only as good as your last book, I think. Um, but if I had to really isolate a moment, it, it was I got into the Iowa Writers' Workshop when I was um, in my 20s. And I was living in Japan. I had, I had um, applied to a lot of schools. I had never had anything published. And that they pulled my um, application out of a huge pile of applications. And they brought me to Iowa and gave me two years to write without anything else to do was life-changing. It gave me the material to find an, an agent, my first agent. It gave me the material to write the book that um, actually broke out. Um, and everything sort of followed from there. But I still feel like I'm waiting for, for that moment, right? I, I mean, I've had many of them, but I still feel like writers are always looking for the next moment. And I, too, I mean, uh, I feel like I've gotten so many lucky breaks. Uh, I mean, in some ways, you can uh, maximize your own luck. You can put yourself out there and you can write and be okay with being rejected over and over and over again but a lot of it really is uh, as you say being a and, and like Danielle there were hundreds of those moments that could have gone the other way um, my first book was sort of a novelty book about Elvis Presley and I uh, I didn't I didn't even I'm so old that this was before like they had a book called writers market which was like a list of all the agents and editors, and I, I just wrote, uh, sent actual letters with uh, envelopes, and I didn't know the difference between an agent and an editor, so I wrote to all of the agents, uh, dear editor, and one of them happened to land on the desk of an Elvis fan, and you know, three lucky breaks a bit later, I got the, I got the deal for a little novelty book. But yeah, it is. Uh, I think it is important to remember that. For every, you know, I, I do think I, I have some talent, but I think there are like a hundred people who are just as talented, who've written just as interesting books, who just didn't have things fall in their favor. So both of you went to college. I think you went to Madison, right? You went to Brown. So if I had met you celebrating on graduation day with your family, the day you finished college at some random restaurant, cap and gown still on, what do you think you would have said you were going to be when you grew up? So I've wanted to be a writer since I was about six years old. <laughs> so I knew that I wanted to be a writer and I had studied creative writing even as an undergraduate and 
So I would have said, I'm going to be a writer. I, I'm, you know, I think that it took a lifetime worth of desire to get me to the point where I could um, write the way that I do, which is, you know, every day have a routine um, and withstand, as AJ said, the immense amount of rejection and disappointment that comes with writing, but also the immense amount of success. And what people don't talk about is that having success and having failure are equally disturbing experiences for a writer. And for me, the best experience is staying kind of on a steady level where I can go to my office every day and concentrate and write the next couple of pages. Um, so yeah, I would have said I, I want to be a writer. And uh, first of all, maybe I shouldn't bring this up, but speaking of lucky, I feel we, I heard thunder and no rain. This is exciting, right? Lucky, the sky's lucky. opening. Don't say that, oh wait. I just felt something. No, are you serious? <laughs> oh, I ruined it. <laughs> Damn. Sorry. That's okay. Maybe That's it, okay. Maybe it was right, nothing. We can withstand a sprinkle. It's just rain. It's, it's a good thing. The plants need it. We're in Ryan Park. Right. They need the water. I like this positive spin. Yes. And like, like Danielle, I always wanted to be a writer, but I didn't really even understand what that was. Plus, unlike Danielle, I'm not good at fiction. I'm not good at creating uh, these wonderful stories. But, um, but I do love the world and I think there's so many interesting weird aspects of the world to explore that uh, I I'm never tire of nonfiction you know as a as someone in the performing arts I deal every day I joked about Vanderpump rules but there's ways in which right <laughs> now AI is like a really big thing the Writers Guild is on strike because AI has become more and more real right. as as some it's not like a science fiction story that we read when we were kids it's a, it's uh, a changing landscape so quickly it's really hard to know what to do all all i can try to do is put myself out there in as many different media as possible and hope that one sticks i will say ai um is interesting because i have chat gpt and i i did the the prompt write a book proposal in the style of aj jacobs uh, which is me because I have a particular style where I do something crazy for a year and then write about it. And it just spat out like a dozen not bad ideas. <laughs> like one of them was like, that could be, it was called My Topsy Turvy Life by A.J. Jacobs. And like, eat dessert first and, you know, sleep during the day and just do everything backwards and see what happens. I'm like, that's interesting. I'm not going to do it. But mostly because I'm like, I'm not going to have AI tell me what to do. But <laughs> your publisher is sitting here going, actually, right. you are. Actually, you are, my friend. Yeah. <coughs> so um, I think it's really hard to resist technology. It's so permeated. It's permeated everything. Um, but I do think also human ingenuity is so permeable and so um, resistant to technology. What I do is I just do simple things like I read my daughter books. I take her to the library. Um, I believe in these kinds of books. But I'm not averse to people listening to audiobooks, reading on Kindle, you know, sort of incorporating technologies. ChatGPT, I'm on the Authors Guild Council, um, and we talk a lot about how to regulate um, AI and how to help authors. So on the legislative side, I think that there's a lot we can do. Um, we can limit, you know, the sort of, there's a, a lot of piracy, for example. They take the books, they train AI with 
these books that, that are, you know, they take them without permission, without paying authors. There's a lot we can do legislatively. Um, and the other, on the other side is we can just teach our, our kids and to love reading. And I think that that's going to be stronger than any technology ultimately. So speaking of writing books, which both of you are here to talk about, are there, um, you know, people talk about writer's block, people talk about a lot of things that get in the way of process. Um, when it's all going swimmingly, that's a great day, right? That's not a day we need to talk about because it all worked. You had an idea, you got your pages written, and by the way, there is a tree right behind us that literally <laughs> will get in your throat, and you don't need an EpiPen, but you're going to think that you do. Okay, um, great. Tell fabulous. me about days in which um, the process isn't going your way. How do you, do you have a goal for each day, AJ, that you're like, this is what I'm going to accomplish today? And how do you meet your goals? Well, I do have, I do try to carve out in the morning nowadays. I didn't used to be a morning person, but I've switched uh, like three hours of uninterrupted time to write because I feel I need, you know, that first half hour is a disaster, but I have to go with confidence that... Tell me what you mean when you say, like, literally, <laughs> what happens in that, like, I'd be on Etsy. Like, what do you do during the first half hour? <laughs> <laughs> well, I try, I turn off, you know... No I, Etsy. I don't do Etsy. Okay. Uh, but I, I have a program <laughs> that separates me from the internet, and then uh, I, I do a lot of brainstorming, uh, so I just come up with ideas, and 98% of them are terrible. And I have to be aware of that going in. But I think ideas are, um, creativity is a numbers game. The more you create, there are going to be some gems in there. So that, just going in knowing it's going to take me a while to get into it. And then, uh, and then figuring out what are the good parts later. What about for you in terms of rituals or... I mean, when you have a kid, I'm sure you're like, actually, I can now take my computer to the playground. I mean, there are ways in which you have to oh, change I never, the no. rituals. <laughs> you don't. I okay. don't change my rituals. Okay, I, tell me I, then. I, I um, delegate. <laughs> um, so I'm in, I have an office separate, that's separate from my home, and I have to go there every morning. And I'm there every day from about 7.30 or 8 until about 1. And um, I'm there, and if I write... Um, I usually try to write. I don't always write, but I'm there. And so being there, I get bored out of my mind if I'm not working. And so I'm, generally speaking, working. The other thing I do, the ritual that I have that really works for me, is I write my first drafts by hand um, on, um, legal paper, on a legal pad. And this allows me, for some reason, to break free of self-criticism. I think because I, like doodle in the margins and I make fun of myself and I can cross things out and rip it off and throw it if I'm feeling, you know, frustrated. Um, so I, I do that every day and, you know, by the end of the week I'll have a, a stack of pages and it feels like I've accomplished something looking at that stack of pages. I love that. So I, I am so grateful once again to Brian Park, to Susie, to Chip, to Nancy, to everybody here. Thank you to this beautiful audience for being with us today on this drizzly day. And Danielle and AJ, thank you for all you've written, all you will write. It is really incredible to get to talk to you both today and to have you on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank Alana. Thank you, Alana. Thank you, AJ. And we love your podcast. Thank, thank you for you. having us on. Clouds can make the wind blow. Bugs can make the grass grow. So there you go.
Hey, I have some news. Little Known Facts is now available to watch on YouTube. Hours and hours and hours of interviews that you can see my fabulous guests. And guess what? It's called Little Known Facts with Alana Levine. Catchy, right? Anyway, head on over to YouTube and watch the podcast. And please don't forget to subscribe. Also, if you want to donate to the podcast, zero pressure. But if you want to, no donation is too big or too small. I am so grateful for you for listening. But if you want to donate, just go to littleknownfactspodcast.com forward slash donations. Lastly, Little Known Facts is recorded in Brooklyn, New York, USA. My editor is Nicholas Clark. None of this happens without Nicholas. And the Little Known Facts theme song was composed and sung by Georgia Famusa with backup vocals by Caleb Famusa. Thank you for listening and have an amazing day. the word. The JCPenney Friends and Family Sale is back, and this week we're passing the savings on to you. Use your extra 30% off coupon to prep your home and style your family for Easter. That's extra savings on top of our great low prices. Plus, share your coupon with everyone you know and love. It's always better when we save together. JCPenney. Make everybody count. Offer valid 311 through 317. Exclusion supply. See store or jcp.com for details. Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit